Hello, Yonsei. How are you guys doing? My name is Anna Rowe. Um, I'm one of the intern pastors for New Philadelphia Church. I grew up in Virginia. Anyone from Virginia? Yeah. <laughs> VA. <laughs> um, and then I went to James Madison University. Uh, came here around 2010. Got sent off to Pusan uh, Church Plan. And then I came back here um, as intern pastor, you know, so, um, one of the things that we have to do is go to seminary, go to school. I haven't been to school in like four years. So going back, I'm like, like, I understand how you guys feel finals coming up. Right. Oh man. So I feel you guys, but at the same time, it's fun. I feel young again, even though most of the seminarians are, you know, a little, a little up there, (laughs) but I feel young because I'm one of the youngest there. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just really fun. I think the different seasons that God takes you in. Um, so I heard that today is the second to last large group of this semester. How has your semester been? Yeah. Awesome. Very good. So, um, the one thing I always think about when I think about Emmaus is, like, I get this phrase, and it's, it's, never, it's never over till it's over. And Emmaus, what blows my mind every single time is no matter how long or no matter how short you come through Emmaus, God will rock you. So it's the second to last large group, but I want to echo what uh, Tina was saying earlier. Don't give up. Don't block your out, block your heart. Don't zone out. Don't phase out. Because even though it's the second to last large group, God is still not done yet. He has something special and specific for every single one of you if your heart is open to, to receive. Amen? All right. So I want to go into today's word. Everyone turn with me to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. Some of you guys might be a little shocked when I tell you the title of this message or the topic of this message, but it's all right. So Proverbs 14, are you guys there? Okay, Proverbs 14, we're going to read two verses, verse 26 and 27. Okay, since it's very short, we will read it together. Ready? One, two, three. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Okay, we're going to read that one more time because y'all sounded mad weak. When you guys are reading the word of God, there's power to it. All right? So when you're not, you're not just reading this word, you are, you are declaring it. All right? You're, there's some power in it. I want you guys to say it like there's some power, okay? So no matter what version of the Bible that you have, I want you to say it with power, like you're declaring it. Okay? So we're going to read it together. Ready? One, two, three. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Amen. Much better. Today, I want to talk to you about the fear of the Lord. (laughs) The fear of the Lord. In the Bible, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I'm going to continue to say that all throughout my sermon, all right? So what I want you guys to do is I'm going to say 
The fear of the Lord is, and then I want you guys to respond back to me, the beginning of wisdom. Y'all got it? Good. You guys go to Yonsei. <laughs> That's simple, right? All right, let's try it. The fear of the Lord is? The fear of the Lord is? Awesome. Um, yeah, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this campus. I thank you for every single student that you have brought here. And I just give you all the praise for everything that you've done this past semester. And I thank you, God, that you are not done yet, that you still have something, uh, in that reveals your glory so lord i just declare that tonight that you're going to do a fresh work a mighty work a powerful work and i declare that every student in here is ready to receive so lord i just consecrate this entire place with your holy spirit and i thank you lord that you are here in jesus name i pray amen all right so the fear of the lord is I believe that God wants you to walk out a path of wisdom. Now, I know I'm talking to a lot of young people here. So when you guys think of wisdom, or at least when I thought of wisdom when I was about your age, I thought, man, you got to get be older, you know, like you got to have some like gray hair or like give me a couple years, you know, let me let me be in my youth. Like wisdom thing, it sounds kind of old fashioned, right? But. I believe that that wisdom is not just for old people, but rather it's for you guys. It's for you guys. And as you guys start to live out a life of wisdom, it is going to be good for you. Okay. Um, The fear of the Lord, it establishes you in different things. And like we read in Proverbs 14, I believe that this verse, these two verses in particular, reveals to us three secrets that God wants to reveal to us. Okay? Three secrets that will reveal, uh, that will root you and establish you in wisdom. All right? So are you guys ready? All right. So before I start, I kind of want to preface by saying... Um, you know, when you, when you talk about fear, fear usually is not a good thing, right? Like, oh, you're scared of the dark or you're scared of different bad things that might happen. Uh, fear is usually not a good thing. And it's not good to live a life of, full of fear. But the fear of the Lord is a good thing. And you should actually only have that one fear, fear of the Lord. He wants us to take our lives seriously and we are able to take our lives seriously if, if we live in that fear of the Lord. Why? Because we're his children. And because we're part of a family of a powerful God. And because we live with a powerful God, he wants us to carry our lives with weight, with power. You know? Um, so, so let's get into this. Proverbs 14. I'm going to read it for you one more time. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and its children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. So I'm going to give you three key secrets uh, that I believe that God wants to reveal to us today. And then I'm going to explain those, what those words are. Okay? So the first secret is... I believe it comes from the first part. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. So the first secret is 
confidence. So if you're writing down notes, you can write that down. The first secret is confidence. The fear of the Lord guards you and protects you. It keeps you walking in integrity. Because you walk in the fear of the Lord, you can walk in confidence. You will not be shaken by the pressures of this world, but rather you will be able to walk in confidence because your confidence rests on God. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. So I want to tell you three stories uh, that the Bible really demonstrates. People that walk out living in the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? The beginning of the fear of the Lord is? All right. So the first story I want to tell you is uh, in Exodus, there are, you know, these group of people, God's chosen people called the Israelites. And back then, the Israelites, you know, were very fruitful we're very much multiplying, okay? So there was a lot of Israelites going on. They took that commandment, be fruitful and multiply very seriously. So uh, they were in Egypt, and the, the Pharaoh saw them, and then he started getting, like, angry. Like, man, why are there so many Hebrew children? You know, like, gosh, they need to knock it off. So he, he put down um, this law, and he told the Hebrew midwives, which is, like, women that help give birth right he told the hebrew midwives once you see a boy i want you to kill kill that boy that baby boy if, you, if it's a girl you can live but i want you to kill every uh hebrew boy that you see but the hebrew midwives instead of looking at pharaoh and what he said you know this is like the the ruler of the country that means if president obama said gave you like hey told you to do something like, won't you do it, right? And if you don't do it, what would happen? Like, not in these days, but back then. You would die, right? So the Hebrew midwives, uh, they, they had this choice in front of them. I can listen to what the ruler is saying, or I can listen to God. And rather being in fear of Pharaoh, they were in fear of the Lord. So they chose not to listen to Pharaoh's command. Because they knew that it was not righteous. So because they fear the Lord, they're like, you know what? We're not going to obey. And instead, they just continued to just let the children live. And uh, because the Lord saw that, he said he blessed them. So what ended up happening to the Hebrew, Hebrew midwives, they ended up getting pregnant themselves. And he blessed them because they lived in the fear of the Lord. Okay? So the... The uh, secret here is that when you have fear of the Lord, you have confidence in what you're doing. Okay? Uh, there's another story of Mordecai, and this is in the book of Esther. Mordecai is Esther's uncle. And Mordecai was, um, you know, living, living in this kingdom where they did not believe in God. In fact, there's a, a ruler named Haman. Everyone say Haman. And this ruler was so full of himself. He was not the king, okay? But he just loved himself so much. In fact, when he walked out of the uh, king's gate, he would make everyone that saw him bow to him. So everyone did bow to him, except for Mordecai. Mordecai refused. And when Haman saw that, he hated him. Haman wanted to do everything to kill him. So what did Haman do? He just went out of his way, devising, devising ways. And uh, his wife was like, hey, why don't you build a, a gallow so 
and then kill Mordecai with it. Haman's like, okay, right? So if you know the story of Esther, what ends up happening is Esther turns out to be a Jew, just like Mordecai. And then uh, Haman has this plot of trying to kill all of the Jewish people. But instead, God works on their behalf. And the, and the gallow that Haman planned to kill Mordecai, Haman gets killed instead. Right. So Mordecai, instead of being scared of Haman, instead of instead of obeying whatever Haman said, even though he was a top ruler, had this confidence in the Lord because he feared the Lord. The word of the Lord at that time was and even still now is do not have an idol. Do not bow to anything besides me. Right. So because he walked in that fear of the Lord. He was able to walk in confidence, saying, I will not get harmed. Nothing will touch me because I am obeying the Lord. He will guard me. He will protect me. Okay. Uh, The third story I think a lot of you guys know is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. These are three friends, three amigos that just went. And uh, the king said, hey, I have this golden image right here. Bow to me. Do you you guys see like a a theme right here? Right. God, Satan is trying to, to... turn people's attention away from God and say, hey, bow to me, look at me, look at me. And each time there's a powerful threat, a threat of death, a threat of losing life. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what do you think they did? Do you think they bowed? No, because they had the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is what? Because they had the fear of the Lord, they did not bow. Instead, when the king was so angry, right, he was like, take them into the fiery furnace. And then he, uh, the people that were killing them because it was so hot, they ended up dying instead, right? Uh, they dropped them, and then in the fiery furnace, an angel came, and then uh, he saved them. So uh, they walked out, and they weren't even touched by the fire. So Shadrach, Mishan, and Abednego were three young friends, young friends that did not bow to the image and because they walked in the fear of the lord god guarded them god protected them and they had this confidence in who god was instead of the people around them okay so the first secret was what yeah and i really believe you know that um oh later in shadrach michigan abednego it says that the king was so amazed like who who is this God that you serve? How can you come out of that fire untouched? There's not even a smell of fire around you. And the king, the king that said, hey, bow to me. He said, if anyone says a bad word about this king, this king of Israel, I will put you to death. Do you see how that turned around for them? Not only was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saved like themselves, but the name of God was exalted. Because they walked in the fear of the Lord, right? So the secret of confidence is this. Walking in the fear of the Lord allows you to influence nations because you walk in strong confidence. That means you're not only going to get saved yourself. You're not only going to walk in strong confidence for yourself, but you're going to start influencing people around you, companies around you, your schools and classmates around you, nations around you. Because you walk in the fear of the Lord. Amen? Amen. So the first point was confidence. The second point, um, I believe it comes in the later part of verse 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. So the second secret is refuge. 
Everyone say refuge. So simply put, refuge means uh, protection, shelter, a safe haven. Okay, so it can be protection from storm, protection from danger. Uh, the Hebrew word for refuge. So I'm taking Hebrew right now. Let me read this. Is maka maka ashe she maka ashe. Yeah, I think that's what it is. You have to have that guttural sound, like right? So maka ashe. Everyone say that. Wow, some of you guys are really good at that. Makashe, which is another word uh, for another word for refuge in the Hebrew term is a shelter from falsehood. So anything not only from danger, not only protection, but a shelter from things that are false, things that are not true. So I I like the order of this verse because it says the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence right so it begins with confidence but when you start losing that confidence a little bit right i believe that he kind of puts in the second part because he's saying hey whenever you 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 fear a little bit when you start losing that confidence come back because in my name you have refuge you have refuge you have protection from the things going on around you you have safety from your circumstance you have shelter from the things that you might hear that is not true all right uh so the second secret is you have refuge and i really want to concentrate on the shelter from falsehood a house where you can go in without like that is free from fear okay uh so i want to tell you kind of where i am in my life this is like like really vulnerable (laughs) being vulnerable makes me a little (laughs) uncomfortable Uh, like it's mad fresh like it happened yesterday and um i want to tell you because first i want to invite you into my life okay um even though like i met some of you for the first time but it's all right i'll continue seeing you all right um and then second because i think it's going to bless you as well okay uh so a couple weeks ago the intern pastors at New Philly, we had a meeting with Dr. Tony Beckham. Raise your hand if you know him. Okay, so we had a meeting with Dr. Tony Beckham, and he uh, just wanted to ask and talk with us, just different things about the intern pastor program. And then at the end, he was like, all right, you guys can go now. Like, time is done, blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to, like, we talked the entire time. So Dr. Tony Beckham, like, it was my first time really talking to him. So I wanted kind of, like, I wanted advice from him without him giving a formal report to PCMPE, right? Just at that moment, casually, I wanted advice. So I was like, wait. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, can you, like, give us, do you have any, like, and I I was talking like that. Like, do you have any, like, advice you want to, and he's like, what are you trying to say? And I was like, well, you know, like, um, and then he goes, tell me what you're trying to say. And then, like, I have this type of personality as well. So when someone pushes my button, I can kind of be just as strong. So without even me realizing, like, before I could catch the words that went out of my mouth, I was like, give me advice, like, in that same (laughs) sharp way. And I was like, oh, no. I should have at least said, can you give us advice? You know, like, something more packaged, but I was like, give, give me advice, like that. And he was like, 
thank you. That's all I want to hear. I was like, okay. And uh, I think that's his personality too. So he communicated well. Um, and then he was like, if I want to tell you guys something is give yourself permission to fail. And we're like, oh, all right, that's nice. All right. And then he's like, specifically you, and then points to me. And then without realizing, I just, nah. <laughs> why, why are these tears falling? He's like, give yourself permission to fail, and you won't fall as hard as you think you are. And I was like, wow. And then all the intern pastors were like, hey, can you give me advice too? Can you? <laughs> right? But that really um, spoke to me because I realized without, like, without realizing until at that moment, um, I had this fear of failure. And I'm pretty confident, you know, like, I know who I am. You know, so, yeah, I'm confident. But, like, when he said, like, give yourself permission to fail, I realized I had this root of failure. And I was, like, my, my definition of failure was you can't even make mistakes. That's failure. When you make a mistake, it's, you failed, right? So imagine how hard life is if you don't make a mistake. And I make a lot of mistakes, right? Uh, so I was very like, man, what is this root then? And I was talking to uh, Pastor Erin, and she was just saying, you need to redefine your definition of failure. And I took that before the Lord yesterday, and I was really bringing this before God, saying, hey, like, you know, I'm preaching on the fear of the Lord, <laughs> But I have this fear of failure. You know, it doesn't really work out. How am I going to live in a house full of fear of failure when I'm supposed to live in a house, a refuge of the fear of the Lord? Right? So I just brought this before God. And I was like, what's going on, God? Like, what's, you know, what, when did it start happening? Blah, blah, blah. And I was just, and I kind of, nothing happened. So I just started worshiping God. And um, right then, as I was praising God, God started speaking to me. And all of a sudden, he took me back to when I was in third grade, like long time ago. <laughs> and uh, I remember I was working on a math homework with my dad. And he, uh, I just could not get it, I guess, that day. So he started like yelling at me like crazy over like geometry or like whatever I was learning in third grade. <laughs> I guess it wasn't geometry. <laughs> no, like geometry, like shapes, like triangle. I don't know. That makes me look really um, not so smart. But anyways, um, so anyways, he was, he was just yelling at me. And I remember that day, it was like, I looked outside, and it was a beautiful day. Our family was actually supposed to go out and, like, play outside and, like, have, have fun. But because I couldn't get it, and my dad, he's a very typical Korean father. Like, he was very stoic and had a temper tantrum at that time, you know, when we were growing up. So um, it was... Like, we canceled everything because of me, because I couldn't get it. So we just stayed there, like, for three, four hours just working on my math homework, and the entire time it was him yelling at me because I couldn't get it, because I was making mistakes. And I realized that from then on, my, my view of failure was uh, making mistakes. And if I made a mistake, then people would start yelling at me, Right? Um, so I had this fear and I lived my life making sure I didn't really make mistakes. Uh, so I'm the oldest. I lived a very good, like perfect, like rigid. I didn't, I wasn't the bad child, you know, like I was just like the good child that like my mom was like, Hey, look at her. You know, like, yeah, look at me. 
I, I was that type of model child because I didn't want to make a mistake because I had this fear of failure. And I was like, man, what thing? It went all the way back to third grade, you know? And I started praying. I, forgave, I already forgave my father, so it was all good. And I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my memory. And then uh, God was like, you don't need to invite the Holy Spirit into your memory. I was like, why not? And I realized that on Saturday, Pastor Christian, uh, he took me into a room just to talk with me and then to go over stuff with him. And I made a mistake. And he was just kind of cor- gently correcting me. And then he uh, stopped and then looked at me with, like, such loving eyes in that silence. And I was like, <laughs> stop looking at me. Why are you looking at me? And I wasn't, like, I didn't even realize, but I, was, I started crying. And then, like, you know, it all, he spoke life over me, Anna, like, we love you, da 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 And then right before we left the room, he, he was like, you know, like, give me a hug. So I gave him a hug, and he was like, Anna, we're already so proud of you. And I was like, <laughs> And God brought me back to that memory, and he was like, you view your earthly father as a man with an iron fist. And that's the way that you've been viewing me, God your father. But that's not who I am. I am a gentle father. I am not someone that yells at you when you make a mistake, but I am someone that laughs when you make a mistake. Because I want to show you my grace. And I know that you're going to get stronger as you keep going. Failure is not when you make a mistake. Failure is when you give up. When you stop. When you quit. Failure is when you, when you choose not to forgive. That's failure. So as I started receiving the love that Pastor Christian, my spiritual father, was showing me. And the different things that God was showing me. I just felt so free. And I realized that God does not want me to live in a house full of fear, but rather he wants me to, he, he's taking me into a refuge, a place that is protected from false lies, from, from fear. He's protecting me because he wants me to live in a house only with the fear of the Lord. Okay, so... So God uh, takes us into a place of refuge. And I believe that the secret is this. Who Jesus is, who God is, that holds the power that will protect you and guard you from anything that the enemy may try to attack you with. Anything that the enemy may try to speak to you with. That refuge, that house, guards you from all of those lies. Okay? The fear of the Lord is? Okay. So the third secret is, uh, I believe, coming from verse 26. I'm going to read that for you one more time. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Okay, so the third secret is fountain of life. <laughs> fountain of life. I'm going to read John 10.10 10 for you. It says, in the NIV, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God's plan for you is not only for you to live life, but to live it to the full. Life to the fullest. He wants you to live in a life where you're constantly walking in the fullness of his glory, in the fullness of his love, in the fullness of his truth. That's the plan that he has for you. Do you believe it? 
as you walk in the fear of the Lord, his plan for you is to give you life abundance. And as you walk in this path of life, that will turn you away from the snares of death, from the temptations that earth has for you, from the fear that the earth is trying to grip you with. Everything else that does not belong to God is death. But God wants to give you life abundance. I want you to turn to Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47. It's right before Daniel. Ezekiel 47, and we're going to read verse 3 to 12. Okay, it's a little long, but I think we can do it. Are you guys there? Ezekiel 47, verse 3 to 12. I want you guys to read the odd verses, and then I'll read the even verses. Okay? Ready? One, two, three. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was knee-deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water, and it was waist-deep. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Engedi to Englaglem. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. And on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fall. But they will bear fresh fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for healing. Amen. So in this story, we, we have Ezekiel, and he's having a vision, okay? So this man takes him to uh, the river and says, hey, here's a thousand cubits. I want you to come, right? So the first place that the water touches is where? Ankle. So the water is ankle deep, okay? And then he measures off a thousand cubits, and then they go, and the next place it touches is where? Knees, okay? So it's knee deep. And then after that, it measures off, and then where? Waist. And then after that, he measures off again? And then he can't, he can't touch the bottom, okay? So uh, if you guys are, who knows, who knows how to swim? Okay, good. <laughs> Some of you guys, oh, okay. <laughs> so when you like first go into the water, okay, and you're in a water where it's ankle deep, who has the power, you or the water? You. Right? You're able to direct your steps. You can choose wherever to go. It's only touching your ankle. right? So you can go wherever you want to go. But still, the water is refreshing. 
And then when, as you get deeper, okay, knee deep, as you get deeper, waist deep, and then soon enough, the current takes you over. And there comes a point from when you're swimming, like full on, and uh, in between, like, you know, from the shore to swimming, there comes a point when it starts getting uncomfortable. Like, oh, snap, like, I don't have control anymore. Like, you know, like, what's going on, you know? Um, and I believe that, like, this is a picture of Christian life. The water, as it stands for the Holy Spirit, okay, he's taking us ankle deep. And when you first go and get to know about God, it's, you know, it's refreshing, it's cool, but still, you have control. But there comes a point when it starts getting uncomfortable. And there comes a point when you have a choice to make. Are you going to turn back into the shore or are you going to keep going and start swimming? And I remember uh, in my life, I had that choice to make. I, I, some of you guys know my testimony, but I grew up in a Christian family. So I grew up like very, like I told you, like seeing everything like black and white. So I was such a good like goody goody type of girl, right? So I grew up like not doing anything bad, never really skipping classes even. Um, and I was such a like good, like one of those Asian, like really good students, you know, I uh, went to college and then was still really good all throughout. And uh, there came to a point when I got exhausted with my life because it, rather than being about God, it was a set of rules for me. Don't smoke, don't party, don't drink, don't lie. Don't see it, right? So because my entire life was that, I very, like, I just got burnt out. I got really tired. So I know, like, when you first go to college, like, you're in, like, a lot of people initially start off partying and then, you know, like, kind of get back with God or whatever. But for me, it was opposite. I went in on fire for God and then, like, my last semester, I partied, like, hardcore, like, hardcore okay so i i remember like i was like all throughout college i was getting deeper with god like i i was serving as a small group leader i was on leadership with my christian fellowship and then more and more as i got deeper into god's presence i started getting a little uncomfortable like what do you mean i have to go all out for god you know like i want my life and i can still worship god you know i can still go to church i can still come out to large group what do you mean, like, do more for God? Like, uh, you know, I have my life, you know? So I started getting very uncomfortable. And when that invitation came to come out deeper, I said no. And instead of even saying no, I just went back all the way. So I, I remember week after week, I would, just, I would just go at it. And it was very fun in the beginning. <laughs> not gonna lie it was fun uh but very quickly it turned old it, it turned predictable it turned mundane and i remember like man i thought this could satisfy me but it wasn't but at the same time i was ashamed okay god you're call- like i want to go back to you but how can i i i shut my door on you i i came back into the shore and said i don't want to do anything with you anymore but slowly i felt god beckon me and again i was in the water neat ankle deep knee deep waist deep and there came another point when things started getting a little uncomfortable 
And I came to Korea, and you know, like I was by this point, I was on fire for God. I I wanted to live my life for God, and I was singing praises, and you know, like yes, all for you, Lord. And then there came a point when um, I got asked to go on a church plant in Busan, and that for me was that same choice, that same question. Anna, do you want to go deeper? Anna, do you want to learn how to swim in my spirit? Anna. Do you want to walk by my spirit? Rather than choosing your own ways, would you give your life to me fully and completely? And I'm not going to lie. That temptation to say no again was still there. But this time I was stronger. Stronger than when I was in college. And I heard, very, I heard God very clearly. Anna, obey me. And my fear of disobeying God was Bigger than pleasing myself or pleasing the world. So I ended up saying yes, right? So I spent two years in Busan, and man, I learned so much about God in ways that I never could have if I didn't come full in, right? So the, the songs that I was singing, God, your grace is enough. Like, your grace is enough. And then he, he put me to the test. Anna, is really grace enough for you? No, my money is going away. God, your my grace is your grace is not enough. Give me your money instead. You know, so like just different things, like walking me through all of these sayings that I've heard all my life. These Christianese sayings all my life. God, you are faithful. Really, you believe that I'm faithful? All right then. And then showing me how He's faithful, so that not I just can you know not just knowing it in my head, but knowing it. So when people come up to me and say, I don't believe God is faithful. Oh, snap. Let me pray for you. Because I know. Because God had to take me through that journey. You know, that was something I loosely said before. But now, I say it with weight. Because he took me through that journey. Because of the fear of the Lord. I did not want to disobey God. And I did not want to stray from him. Because losing him was bigger than pleasing myself, pleasing my parents, pleasing my friends. That was bigger than this. So that, my two years in Busan, I'm not going to lie, it was initially very hard. But I would never trade it for anything in the world. Because I believe that that showed me how to live a life full of wisdom. And not, not even a life full of wisdom, but life to the fullest. My life in Busan was so exciting. It was so adventurous. And it, I remember there were days when I would go to sleep and be like, oh, best day ever. Like, I did so many things. You know, like, I just had so much fun. It wasn't just growing in the Lord, but things that I wanted to do as well. You know, I just had so much fun. So as God is taking you uh, and, and revealing to you the fear of the Lord, the, you know, the fountain of life, as he's showing you this, the fear of the Lord is that not only does he want you to obey him, but ultimately it's because he loves you so much that he wants to give you a life that is full and abundant. In the end, the fear of the Lord is not only to obey him, but it is to bless you. Not just in heaven, like, yeah, your treasures are stored up in heaven. That's, that's awesome. But here on earth, now it is to bless you. The fear of the Lord is because 
He loves you. Because He wants you to live a life adventurous, a life full of surprises, a life that you think things that will happen that you never expected, is to bless you, is to love you. What is the first secret that the fear of the Lord shows us? Confidence. God walks you in confidence so that you live a life rooted on Him rather than on the shaking things that happen in the world. What is the second uh, secret? Yeah, because He puts you in a house free of fear, but rather a house full of Him. And the third secret? Because He longs to give you life full of abundance. I'm going to read Proverbs 14, 26 to 27 again. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. I want you guys to close your eyes right now, and I'm going to give you some time to respond.